So welcome everybody. We are continuing our share on business integrity. Um, it's on page, we are going to be dealing, starting on page 31. Uh, we're going to be dealing today with the topic of telling the truth and lying. Um, that's going to be one part of the share. And then we are going to start the laws of Natilak Yadayim. So let us begin with the topic of telling the truth uh, and lying. We know there's a famous pasuk in the Torah, Midvar Sheker Tirchak, Venakiv Tzadik, Al Tarog, Kilat Stik Rasha. The Torah tells us, Midvar Sheker Tirchak, distance yourself from a false matter. Now, according uh, to that pasuk, right, it seems like there's a problem of telling a lie. However, the context of that pasuk is in a court, in a, in a courthouse where people are giving testimony. And then um, the, the context seems to be that a witness should not lie. So the question is, is this a general din or is this a din of, of you know, not lying specific to the courthouse? Let's see what the Gemara in Masechet Ketubot Set Zayin says. The Gemara in Masechet Ketubot says, how do we dance in front of the bride? We say to her, however she is, if she's not looking that pretty, we don't uh, say it. But Beitilel say, Beitilel say, we talk about her as she is an attractive bride, even though she might not be an attractive bride. Right? If she was lame or blind, etc., you're going to say, you're going to still praise her. The Torah says, distance yourself from a from falsehood. We see from here that according to Beit Shammai, it's clearly that this distance yourself from falsehood is not connected to the courthouse. Right? It's a general person shouldn't say anything that's not true. Amrulahim So say to according to your language, according to your opinion, So a person went out and bought something from a certain shop and he didn't get a good deal. Should you tell him? Listen, you just got, uh, you should know that, you know, you just bought a terrible deal. Um, or not. You also agree that, you don't. there's no need to make a person feel bad. From here you see that it's important that a, means a person needs to be sensitive or empathetic with people. So how does that help? Just like the person, you know, there's no need to rub it in that he did a bad deal. So to, yeah, there's no need to cause anguish to the bride. And therefore, according to Beitila, there doesn't seem to be a problem. That is a machloket between Beitila and Beit Shammai. Now, the, um, let, let's read what Rav Perlo says from this. We can see from that machlok between Beitila and Mishamai. The Beitila cry the midvar sheker tirchak that this verse 
that one should distance oneself from falsehood. According to Beit Hillel, that specific prohibition is limited to the courthouse. Now, it doesn't mean that Beit Hillel don't view truth as a uh, positive trait. The Gemara in other places tells us that the signature, the Chotam of Baruch is met, is true. So clearly, clearly that is very, very important. However, to couch it in a language of prohibition, according to Beit Hillel, that is only in the courthouse. Why? Because we'll see that according to Beit Hillel, there are going to be times where it is permitted to tell a half-truth or a falsehood. Okay. Um, and also seems to be that the Sefer Achinuch agrees that the specific prohibition of telling a lie is in the courthouse. That also the plaintiff, defendant, they should not lie when speaking. And even if um, the Dayan wants to hear them. Meaning, the Dayan says, yeah, you can, you can talk, you can talk. Meaning he's giving you the option to lie, stay away from it. This also includes the prohibition right, of speaking Lashonara and giving false testimony. And says the Sefer Achinuch, Shoresh HaMitzvah Yedua, Kasheker Nitav V'Nelach B'Nei Akol. That falsehood is uh, abominable, it's despicable in the eyes of everyone. Ain Davar Ma'usmimena, it's disgusting. V'Hamma'arav Aklalot Be'Beit Kolo'ava. And basically causes curses in the house of all those people who love falsehood. Because God himself is truth and everything connected to God is true. And bracha can only come on a person who tries to emulate God. And like God is true, so we have to emulate God in being true. And we have to be uh, empathetic and merciful as God is. Etc., etc. Okay, so we see from here that again the Sefer Achinuch seems to be saying this is connected to the courthouse. We'll find, do uh, we have Rabbeinu Yona? Um, um, it's also of the opinion that it's specifically in the courthouse. Now, why is it a din specifically in the courthouse? And that is because we'll find that there are times where it is permitted to, let's say, tell a, a falsehood. And the Gemara in Masechet Yevamot Samachay says as follows. Amar Mishum Lazar Shimon. Mutarlo Adam Leshanot Bedvara Shalom. Right? A person is, BA, is permitted to depart from the truth if it is going to cause peace. We're dealing with the parashiot of Yosef. 
in order not to cause family rift. So we see that it's permitted to slightly change what is being said in the name of the people. The Rebbe Natan Omer Mitzvah, not only is it permitted, it's a mitzvah. Shenemar, Vayomer Shmuel, Echelech, Vayishma Shaul Vargeni. Right? Because Shmuel said, how can I go? Right? That, and Shaul will hear that he's going to anoint King David. Right? Uh, and he'll, he'll get killed. And Hashem there responds to him and says, tell him, you know, if people ask questions, say you're going to take a sacrifice. So here HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him to kill say a falsehood. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him, so obviously that's a mitzvah. Right? Greater is peace to the extent that even HaKadosh Baruch Hu will change the truth slightly. Why? We know the Meikarakatev Adoni Zakein. Sarah said that why can't you have children? Her husband is old. But in the end, when relaying the story, all of a sudden, Sarah is saying, it's saying that um, Hashem told that Hashem told Avram that Sarah said Anizake, right? Uh, Sarah says, I've got, uh, um, so, so, so it seems that HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed the truth for the sake of peace. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do it, obviously it is a mitzvah. That's what the second opinion in Nekmara was saying. Now the Aruch Laner gives a very important clarification. He says, how is it possible to lie? The Torah says, distance yourself from falsehood. And even though the strict context of that pasuk is in the courthouse, nevertheless, it's a principle that a person should remain far away from being false. Why did the Gemara say it's permitted to change how you speak? The Gemara should have said it's permitted to lie. Why did it say it's permitted to change for the sake of peace? Explains the Aruch Lanev. Yesh Lomar. The court of Rumi Utar came and the Kvar Ketiv Lemor. Balachem Yesh Lomar. Shem Amru Lishna de Mishtamea Letre Ape. Explains the Aruch Lanev. When the brothers said whatever they said to Yosef, it was slightly ambiguous. We found the same thing with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu says, Right? Esav is your uh, firstborn. So how do you read that? I am Esav, or I'm here, but by the way, Esav is meaning as long as there's an ambiguity, that's when, according to the Aruch Lener, it is permitted to, uh, it is permitted to, to change the truth for the sake of peace. But one should do it in a way that one doesn't say something absolutely false. One says it in a way that it's ambiguous. Let's see what the halachot Ben Adam Lachaviral says. It is permitted, some say it's even a mitzvah, as we saw in the Gemara, to slightly change the way we speak in order to stop a faribal. Sina, machloket, ben bene Adam that the people shouldn't be upset. This is 
in the event that there's no other way to do it. But one should use language that is ambiguous, that can be interpreted in one or two, in two or more ways. He gives examples. Someone's knocking on the door, says, I want to speak to someone of a person in your household. Say the person will be here later on. Yeah, by saying the person here will be later on, you're not saying that the person's not here right now. But you imply that he's not here right now. So that's what he's saying. Or you could say, sorry, he can't see you right now. Um, but the, the, so, so, or Amirot Domot, right, in order to, that there shouldn't be anger towards the person. Uh, let's say the person that is being asked is sleeping, right? You can say, if you say the person's not around, is it ambiguous? Yeah, well, the truth is, he's in Olama Chalomot, right? He's in the, the world of dreams. He's not really here. So that's where we say that it can be slightly ambiguous. Okay, we're going to uh, we're going to leave it for that for today because I want to really get cracking with the next topic. Um, but that really is a summary that we've seen. That basically the Gemara says in certain cases it is permitted to change the uh, it is permitted to change how one speaks for the sake of peace. For the sake of tzniyot um, and things like that, the reason for that is that the pasuk midvar shekatirchak, according to the majority of rishonim, is specific in a court case. And the, although the principle of, of of emet is godly, and that's the Gemara says that this is the signature of Hashem, this is the way He is. Hashem is totally truth, and we should emulate His ways. Nevertheless, there are certain times where we see that even from Akash Baruch Himself. He changed in order to save people. Whether it's Shmuel, whether it's Abraham Avinu, how he spoke to them, we see that he was trying not to cause machloket between people. Okay, we're now moving on to the next section brought in the Shulchan Aruch, and that is after we finished with the halachot of Tefillah. We then very briefly discussed laws of business when a person goes to, to their work, and now it's lunchtime. So a person needs to eat. So the next section in the Shulchan Aruch is the laws of the meal. And when we start with the laws of the meal, the first thing that we have to talk about is the halachot of Natilat Yadayim Lesuda. Let's begin. Where does this halacha of Natilat Yadayim, of washing one's hands, come from? The Rabbi Masechet Eruvin Chaf Aleph Hamudet says the following: Amar Rav Yuda Amar Shmuel. Rav Yuda says in the name of Shmuel. At the time when King Solomon instituted the principle of Eruvin, Eruvin is a type of fence in which we are allowed to then walk and carry on Shabbat and all different types of Eruvin. We're not going to get into that. We'll do that later when we get to Yilchot Shabbos. And Natilat Yadayim. Shlomo HaMelech in the first Beit HaMikdash instituted the rabbinic decree of Natilat Yadayim, Yatsta Bat Kol Vamra. So a heavenly voice came out and says, Bani im chacham libcha yismach libi gam ani. My son, if your heart is wise, 
my heart will also be joyous. Meaning that it sounds like Akash Baruch was very excited about these takanot, these rabbinic enactments that were done in the Beitin of Shlomo Amelech. Okay. So we see from here that first of all, Nesilat Yadayim is a Din de Rabbanan. Din de Rabbanan, a very early rabbinic institution was instituted by Shlomo Amelech, but it's not a Din de right, it's a Din de Rabbanan. And once it's a, a Din de Rabbanan, we have to work out why did the rabbis enact it and when did they enact it, for what situations did they enact it. And here we have the Gemara in Shabbat Yud Gimel that says as follows We know that there was a famous time when actually Beit Shammai were the majority of the uh, Sanhedrin and they instituted 18 decrees at the time uh, when they the, were the majority. So the Gemara goes through all these 18 decrees. Says the Gemara, my Ninu What were these 18 decrees? Did not Oh, so the Mishnah says that one of the things that was instituted was that uh, hands were considered eating hands, uh, eating truma with one's hands would, would puzzle the truma. So what do we see from here? We see that this obviously Beitila and Beitama is a lot later than Shlomo Amelech. So what was the Takana of Shlomo Amelech? And what was added onto it by Beit Shammai? So here explains Rashi. Rashi says, uh, the, sorry, the Gemara says, and how did they make this decree? Our hands touch everything, explains the Gemara. Atta Shlomo, Shlomo Amelech first came and instituted that we need to wash our hands. Lekodshim, a person who wanted to eat the meat of a korban or any type of korban, which is kodshim, a very holy, the holiest type of uh, sanct sacrificial uh, food that we have, he needed to do, or she needed to do, Natilat Yadayim. Atu Inu, later on, Beit Shammai came along, the Gazur Afla Truma, and they instituted that even Truma should only be eaten once one has done the Tilat once one has washed one's hands. So from this Gemara, we learn two very important things. The initial enactment of Shlomo Amelech was only to do the Tilat when one is going to eat a Korban, such as Korban Pesach, all the, all the the usual korbanot that were only eaten by the Kohanim. Later on, Beit Shammai added to this eat when before the Kohanim would eat truma. Only the Kohanim could eat truma. So before the Kohanim would eat truma, they would have to wash their hands. And why did the, why were these two decrees instituted? The Gemara just gives a very, again, ambiguous statement. Our hands wonder. What does it mean our hands wonder? So, Let's see what Rashi explains. Scaniote. The nogin bib saro. And they touch one's body. A person, you know, scratches one's head, one uh, touches the body. And also touches dirty parts of the body. Right? The gnai le truma bakach. Explains Rashi. So why do we have to do a natilat Because it's not kavadik to eat truma 
with dirty hands because let's say a person had dirt on his hands. If he's going to eat truma, the truma might become disgusting in his eyes and he might not eat truma. So in order to preserve the, the, the sanctity or that people would view it in a positive way, they would want to eat it, they instituted washing, doing the tilat yadayim. Why? Because we concerned that if people would touch them with dirty hands, people would not want to eat the truma. People would not want to eat the sacrificial uh, food. And that would be a big problem. Um, because when you leave over sacrificial food, there might be an isur involved. So we don't want that to happen. So because we don't want that to happen, the sage is instituted to wash one's hands. According to Rashi, the washing of Natilat Yadayim has got nothing to do with the laws of Tumah and Tara. It's got to do with being clean in order that the food will not become disgusting. That's referring to Kodshim food. But the, the purpose of washing one's hands, the, the decree of Shlomo Melech and later Bechamai, was in order that basically we will not be disgusted from eating this uh, sacrificial food. Oh, but Rashi's teachers had a different explanation. Rashi's teachers say that the reason why Shlomo HaMelech instituted the Tilat Yadayim is because perhaps our, the Gemara says, our hands wander. Rashi understood what does it mean our hands wander? They become dirty. The teachers of Rashi understand that not what does it mean? It means that they become impure. And if they become impure, they're going to impurify the truma, they're going to impurify the kotrim, and that's the problem. And therefore, you have to do natilat yadayim because of a law of purity, to purify one's hands. Now, the challenge that Rashi has with his rabbis is, Rashi says, I don't understand. If a person's hands become impure, from the Torah, there's no such thing as only my hands becoming impure. If a person touches a dead body, even though only my finger touched the dead body, my entire body becomes impure. I have to go and immerse myself in the mikvah. That's how Tumah and Tara works. No such things that I just wash my hands and it's good enough. I need to immerse my entire body in the mikvah. So Rashi says, how can it be that the enactment of Shlomo HaMelech and Beit Shammai afterwards was connected to the concern that we might, our hands might have become impurified. That doesn't make sense, Rajrashi. If our hands become impurified, then our whole body becomes impurified. We Washing one's hands is not going to help. We have to go and, and immerse ourselves in the mikvah. So it explains the ritva as follows. The ritva gives an order. This is uh, the ritva on Shabbos Yudalet. The deal Perhaps one's hands, we said one's hands wandered, they might have touched something impure and he didn't realize it. Big Rashi, but Rashi questioned us. The Imkain, if that's true, then one would have to immerse oneself in the mikvah. It's not good enough just to wash one's hands. Says the Ritvelakushi. Really, it's not a, a problem. Why? The Yeshlachush. If the whole reason why we wash our hands is meshamram yafeh, meaning the, 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 the ritva is basically saying, Chazal 
kind of did this on a psychological level. They said as follows. In the if we're always making you wash your hands, the chances are you're going to become more careful with what your hands touch. And if your hands become more careful what they touch, the chances are they're not going to touch something impure. But the truth is, if they did touch something impure, washing one's hands wouldn't help. You would have to immerse yourself in a in a mikvah. But says the Ritva, it trains a person. The fact that you always have to wash your hands it trains a person to be careful with what his hands touch. And therefore, it is ultimately going to save a person from uh, a person from, from becoming impure. Okay. The Gmarayim Masechet Chulin says as follows. Amar Avidi bar Avin, Amar Yitzhak bar Asiyan, Netilat Yadayim lechulin mipnei srach truma. Up until now, what we've seen is that I only have to wash my hands if I'm going to eat sacrificial food or truma. This age, Shlomo Melech instituted regarding sacrificial food. The Beit Shammai instituted and expanded it to Trav Bar Asiyan, that the sages then expanded it to even non-holy food. Stam, I'm going to eat my sandwich. I need to wash my hands. Lost the volume, Rabbi. Okay, apologies, internet uh, problems, but we're back, back online. So, just to summarize, what we've seen from here is that the, 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 the enactment to do natilat yadayim before having a meal is not limited to kodshim, sacrificial meat, or, or sacrificial meals. It's not even limited to truma. Anytime a person has a, a meal, and we'll see what type of meal, but basically it's referring to, in general, bread. So whenever you, you have bread, you have to wash one's hands. Okay, that's what we saw from the Gemara in Chulin. And this is brought down by the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchot Brachot, Perik Vav Halacha Aleph says, anyone eats bread. I, it doesn't have to be sacrificial bread. It doesn't have to be truma bread. Any bread. Where the bracha upon it is hamotzi lechem. One has to wash one's hands beforehand and afterwards. Afterwards, we'll discuss my problem at the different shir. And the Rambam emphasizes, even though the bread itself is not holy, we're talking about bread, your average bread that you buy in the supermarket, 
although there wasn't the original Takana of Shlomo HaMelech or Beit Shammai, it was expanded by Chachamim to include all meals, explains the run. Why dafka bread? Because bread is generally what people make a meal over. But if your person wants to just eat fruit or things like that, since people don't generally make a meal over that, one doesn't have to make do for eating fruit. We'll discuss fruit if they are wet, and, and we will discuss that in later shiurim. But for the meantime, we see that it's basically only bread. Now, the Labush explains all another reason why specifically bread. So we saw the first reason is that, according to the Ran, this is generally what people make a meal. They said a meal by having bread. But according to the Labush, the fisher ein rov hat truma pat. We saw that the original decree was connected to truma and since most of truma comes from grains as the pasuk says right and generally how do you eat grains you make bread over it so therefore explains that based on this the rabbi only decreed to do when one eats bread now, what happens, and this is going to be later on in, 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 in the Shirim as we go through Hilchot Prachot, we know that a person sometimes has to say Hamotzi and Mevarech Birkatamazon if one is Kovea Suuda on what's called Patababakis, some type of sweet cakes. If one eats enough of it as their meal, then one has to basically do Birkatamazon. Says the Shulchan Aruch Harab, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Mikol Makom, Im Tavasu Dato Al Patababakisin, a person made his meal on what we call Suda Patababakisin. Now, arguably, that could even be pizza, Velachmaniotakot, or very small, um, thin rolls. Keshem Shemo Elet Kviazolin Yanamotzi. This is good enough for the the sake of Hamotzi, this is also good enough to obligate one to do Natilat Yadayim. And, and there's no distinction from full-fledged bread. Since one makes one's meal over it like bread, and the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch is you make a brocha Natilat Yadayim. When when eating these uh, um, cakes or, or, or types of things, which are called patababikisnin, is your meal. So if you eat enough and you designate that as your meal, you would have to say, uh, you would have to write this um, bracha. You would have to do natilat yalayim. And according to that, the Shulchan Aruch Harab, you would even make a bracha. The Yalkut Yosef argues, person who makes a meal from patababikisnin, some let's call it some type of cake. Yes, to wash, just as he washes for bread. Some say you even make a brocha when making this But others argue, and according to the Al-Kut Yosef, 
you should make the you should do Natsilat Yadayim without making a bracha. But someone does make a bracha, uh, he has a to rely on. So we have two opinions. We have the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch the Alter Rebbe, who paskins that you do do you do Natsilat Yadayim with a bracha when when you are kovea suda when you make your meal over patava bekisnim some type of cakey type of food as opposed to Ravovad Yosef quoted here by his son the in the Yalkut Yosef who says no since we have a, con- a general principle of safek brachot lahakel we're not sure if you make a bracha you are obligated to do natilat yadayim but don't make a bracha okay up until now we've seen one reason basically for natilat yadayim it was a uh, in order not to mess up sacrificial uh, food that was then extended by Bechamai not to mess up even Truma that was later extended by further rabbis in the Talmud to include all food as a Zecher that you know please God soon the Beit HaMikdash will be built and the Quranim will remember to wash their hands before uh, eating truma or any of these other things. And we we find two basic reasons. The first was the rabbis of Rashi. The rabbis of Rashi understood that this idea of we have to wash one's hand before eating from the sacrificial food is because our hands actually might be tamay. Rashi didn't understand his teachers. He said, well, if that's the case, then I would have to go to the mikvah. Washing hands doesn't work. And therefore, Rashi understands that it was also connected to sacrificial food. But it wasn't because that there was a concern that my hands were impure. There was a concern that my hands, by being dirty, would basically make the sacrificial food disgusting and people wouldn't want to eat it. So both the rabbis of Rashi and Rashi agreed that it was for the sake of eating sacrificial food. However, it comes from two angles. Either because I can't eat it when I, my hands are impure, or as Rashi says, I might not want to eat it because it, I've made it disgusting. Because of those two different reasons, Chazal, the sages, instituted that we have to do Natilat Yadayim. And as we said, we then expanded that. The, the rabbis of the Talmud expanded that before we, we wash on any bread, um, before eating any bread, even though it's not holy bread. Because we want to remind the Kwanim that uh, in the time when the Beit HaMikdash will be built, that they will have to wash their hands. The Levush explained why specifically bread, and that is because Truma mainly was made from bread. Um, the Ran explains that most, most times people, when they were called when they made a meal, they would make a meal over bread. Then the question comes in, okay, what about if a person makes a meal over some type of mazoinus uh, that is not bread, right? but it's uh, something that he makes a pie of some sort, that uh, a sweet uh, cake, if that's going to be his lunch. So without getting into the details, there are times when if a person eats enough of this bread or of this uh, cake or pie, he would actually say birkata mazon. Based on that, says the Aruch, the the, the uh, Shulchan Aruch Harav, then not only would he say Amotzi and, and Birkat Hamazon, but you'd also have to do Natilat Yadayim with a bracha. The Yalkut Yosef argues. The Yalkut Yosef 
says that uh, they should do Natilat Yadayim, but they shouldn't do it with, but they shouldn't do it with, uh, with a bracha. Okay, that's until now a summary of what we've seen. But now we found another sugya in the Masechet Brachot, Nun Gimel. Amar Rabbi Yudah, Amar Rabbi, Some say this is taught in the name of Rab. Some say this was a brighter. Vit Kadishtem, the Torah tells us, and you shall sanctify you. What is a bright to learn from that? These are referring to and you shall be holy. Now, just to clarify, the Pasuk is not meaning when it says, and you will be sanctify yourselves, that it's a Torah obligation to wash one's hands. But the rabbis use this Pasuk as a source for the mitzvah or the rabbinic decree of now what's interesting is that this pasuk is not necessarily connected to sacrificial food this this source seems to imply that the rabbis instituted before eating not necessarily connected to um not necessarily connected to 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 sacrificial food, the marshal, sorry, the marsha says no. It's all connected. It's the same thing. Meaning the is is connected to Shlomo Abelech's original decree. However, others hold that no, they two separate ideas. The one is the takan of Shlomo Abelech in order to safeguard the dignity. Or the purity, depending on Rashi or his experiment. The other is that we have to basically act in a way of holiness before eating. And but what do we do? We wash our hands in a state of cleanliness before we eat. Not got not got anything to do with the laws of kosher. And this is brought down in the mission. The reason for is for two separate reasons. Since our hands and in the time when people were makbid on Tumah and Tara, and the Kohanim actually used to eat the Tumah, today Kohanim eat Tumah. The rabbis instituted that they would have to wash their hands beforehand. Why? In order that they don't become, uh, they purify the Tumah when they touch it with their hands. And in order that the Kohanim would get used to this, so the rabbis instituted it on any person who eats bread, not only the Kwanim. That he only eats it, only eats bread after he washes one's hands. Again, that's taking the uh, the Mishabur is kind of taking the even though we don't have Kwanim today, they're not eating Truma. Nevertheless, the Takana has not fall, fallen away. Why, says the Mishra in order that Am Israel would be 
used to accustom to eat after washing one's hands. Why? We will be able to eat in the correct way. And then says the Mishnah Brura, Another reason for Natilat Yadayim, not connected to safeguarding the dignity or the purity of sacrificial food, is Nekiyut Vekdusha. For the sake of holiness and for the sake of cleanliness. And the rabbis used as an asmachta the verse, and you shall sanctify yourselves with Kadishtemi Yitem Kodoshim for Natilat Yadayim. Two separate reasons of the dignity or integrity uh, or the, the purity of sacrificial uh, food. Or to uplift ourselves before and, and make ourselves holy before we take of a meal. The Rambam says as follows. The Rambam says anyone who eats bread where you make hamotzi, you need to do natilat yadayim in the beginning. And then, even though it is not sacrificial food, and even though one's hands is just washed them, they 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 spotless, and he's he hasn't come in contact with tumah. He's just come out of the mikvah. You came out of the mikvah, then he washed his hands. So he's pure, and his hands are are, are sparkling. He still has to do not before eating. Now the Rambam adds something very important here. Any food that is dipped in a liquid, you need to wash one's hands beforehand. That's going to be a separate shear when we do uh But I'm just the Rambam already brings it in that it's not only for bread. It's any food that one usually dips in a liquid. But as we've seen, it doesn't make a difference if your hands are sparkling, you just wash them. It doesn't make a difference also if you just come out of the mikvah. For both, in both cases, you would still have to do nitilat yadayim. Okay, we're now moving on to the next topic, and that is the type of vessel that needs to be used for doing nitilat yadayim. And this, the Gemara in Masechet Chulindaf Kutain says as follows. Are you very uh, particular about what amana, uh, about the vessel that you use for Natilat Yadai? He said, Yes, I am particular. So where uh, Rav Sheshit further says, uh, What about the, uh, the how it looks? Yes. Ashiura and how much the volume of water that it can contain. Yes. Some say we particular about the vessel and its uh, um, its appearance. I mean, we'll see that the market can't have holes, etc. But the amount that it can hold, we're not makfid on. The Tanya, me, may reveal it. As long as there's a rabbit of water held in it, it's good enough to do the tilat not only for one person, for even two people. 
that the Gemara says, no, 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 Shani Hata Mishum Dekahati Mishairei Tara. There, it's different. Right? The, the reason why there's no need for a beat for each individual, right? Uh, and so that it sounded like you didn't need a beat for each individual. Says the Gemara, no, no, you can't learn that from that brighter. Why? There, it comes from a, an initial amount, right, which was sufficient for the purity. And then there, it's kin Rav Yaakov Minar Pakot, Natla Bat Ravita, right? That Ravit, that a Natla vessel has to contain a Ravit, right? And furthermore, Ravashi also says, Atkin Ravashi Butzal Kuza Bat Ravita. And Ravashi also he made an earthenware vessel that could contain a bead. So we see from this Gemara that you need a vessel, first of all. The vessel has to be whole. We'll see what that means. And furthermore, it has to contain a bead. The Rashba says as follows. The fact that we are particular about using a vessel, where did this come from? Says the Gemara, says the Rashba, that the rabbis based this on the, the waters that were used in the purification process in the Beit HaMikdash. Inami al-Kiddush Yadayim Raglayim the Mikdash. Or when they had to wash their hands, the Kohanim and the Levim in the Beit HaMikdash, they had to wash their hands. It was from the, the basin, from the Kiyot. Right? We know that all of these things you needed to do it with a vessel. So based on that, it says Rashba, when the rabbis instituted the din of Nesilat Yadayim, they basically copied paste called the, the, the Itkan Rabbanan Kendoraita. When the rabbis made an instituted an enactment, they tried to copy. Based on this, we need to have a vessel. This is going to be very important. You know, can you do Nesilat Yadayim in the sea, in the river, in your swimming pool? Are these, are the, can you just dip your hands or you go to open the faucet and you just um, put your hands underneath the faucet? Is that okay for Natilat Yadai? So we have to discuss this. At first glance, it seems it's a problem because the Gemara, say, the, the, the Gemara seems to imply that we need to have a vessel. Furthermore, the Mishnah says in Yadai. The vessel, we need a vessel, but it can be made out of anything. It can be earthenware vessel, can even be made out of dung, right? All these things are good. And the Shulchan right? Even dung vessels and clay avanim or, or vessels made out of stone, earthenware vessels, it's all good. And now comes the major question of the 20th century. What about Chajpami? You've got these uh, very flimsy plastic cups, oh, something like this, right? You can see plastic cup like this. Can Is this considered a vessel, halachically, that one could use for Natilat Yadai? So the Minchat Yitzchak, right, Rabbi Yitzchak Weiss, the Ab Beit in the picture, in, Rabbi. Where you demonstrate, where you demonstrate, you can't see it. Can you Chad see it? Now I've just got the page. 
You just got the, oh, you don't have my face? You can't see me talking? Uh, oh, there you are. Yes, you're back. Gotcha. Okay, you can see, you can see the, the cup? Yes, we can. So the question is whether this cup right, is good enough for Natilat Yadayim. So let's see what the Minchat Yitzchak says. Right? Uh, since people generally use a um, what's called Chad Pami in Israel, which are these uh, plastic throwaway cups, it means it's a once-off cup. So it's similar to what's taught in the mission in Caleb. So he says it's not suitable neither to use as a Kiddush cup nor to use for Natilat Yadayim. So that is an important opinion that you cannot use one of these plastic cups, these flimsy plastic cups for Natilat Yadayim nor for Kiddush because it's only used once. However, the Alkut Yosef, right? Um, and there's the, also the opinion of the Ravosna says, Kosasu in miniyar or mikarton, vessels made out of uh, paper or plastic, they can hold water in it, or plastic one-time uh, cups, they hold that it is permitted to use it for natilat yadayim. And furthermore, the Orla Tzion says, If you're going to throw it away, then it's a problem to use it as a, a, a vessel to do Natilat Yadayim. However, but if you don't have any other vessels, so yeah, he says something in the middle. Not the mean that you can't use it. Use it, but don't say bracha. And you should try and designate that this cup is going to be used on a permanent basis. In which case, he can then make a bracha on that plastic uh, vessel. Okay. We'll stop there for today. And Bezrat Hashem, next week we'll continue with the laws of uh, of Natilat Yadayim. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it as always. Bye. Bye. Bye.